Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. Hi guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listening to Lockdown Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Monday, March 22nd, 2021, and it is a big day, Ethan. It's a big, big day. We've got Gary Thorne in studio, um, um, Zoom, in studio with us for a great interview. It's 35 minutes long. We asked him about coming back to uh, ESPN, the possibility of that. We asked him what he misses most about calling hockey, what he's been up to over the years. We go back through some of the greatest Red Wings moments, the Darren McCarty goal, the Steve Eisenman goal, the Red Wings avalanche goal, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But let's welcome everybody in. I'm Detroit sports editor Nolan Bianchi. With me, as always, as longtime Red Wings fan and a kidney stone survivor, Ethan Smith. Ethan, what's going on? How's it going, pal? Not much. I went fishing on Sunday in Cass Lake, and I caught a shark. I don't believe you. Uh, we don't have Scotty with us today in the intro, but he is with us in the interview. That's Scotty Bentley, host of the Bentley Show. Uh, I'm so excited. I, I don't even want to like hype this up too much uh because i i honestly think the interview speaks for itself it's incredible we ask him all sorts of questions what his catchphrase would be if he was an fbi agent uh he offers me a job as his agent uh how a video game is made he did the the nhl and mlb video games so we talked to him about that just a whole lot of fun stuff even if you're not a red wings fan there's something in here for everybody uh we've got an shl update coming with mikhail home tomorrow going to talk about what to look for in the shl playoffs uh, Mikhail Holm from Dauber Prospects, I should say that. And then the last, last thing that I will say is we talked to Gary in this interview about coming back to ESPN. He said, you know, go for it, start campaign. And I said, we're going to campaign in the Twitter street. So just please do us one favor and one favor only. Go to Twitter, follow us at LO underscore Red Wings. Uh, that's not the one favor. You can do that if you'd like. But if you if it comes down to one or two things, just go out and tweet hashtag ESPN call Gary Thorne. We're getting the movement going today. We're bringing Gary Thorne back to ESPN. Uh, and that is going to be the way to do it. We're, where you'll probably see us tweeting all day out clips and uh, you know, great goals in, in the past and things like that. So just go do that hashtag ESPN call Gary Thorne. It would mean a lot to us uh, without further ado, Gary Thorne. All right. At this time, we are now joined by a very special guest. He started calling hockey games 20 years before any of us were born. He is the esteemed voice of the NHL on ESPN alongside Bill Clement. He's the narrator of every major Red Wings moment from the late 90s and early 2000s. He's a personal hero of mine to the point that I felt like I've been going to throw up for the last 24 hours. And today <laughs> he is a guest at the Locked On Red Wings podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, can we get a warm round of applause for Gary Thorne? Okay, nice to be with you. And uh, with that, I'm just going to sign off because there's, there's nowhere else to go. <laughs> Thank you so much. All the good stuff. You got to start high. I, I've learned that. Start high, burn out. It's, burn know, out. It's, it's the way to go. Blame out. Start all over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what have you been up to, Gary? You're, you're living in Santa Barbara or just outside Santa Barbara, enjoying the good life. What, what have you been up to these days? 
Oh, I, uh, well, I've taught most of my life. So right now, uh, that's a primary focus. I teach at the Cronkite school at Arizona state university doing a little, uh, yeah, no, it's very good. I love it. Play by play, (laughs) play by play journalism, uh, courses. And it's really fun. I really enjoy doing that. And I've got a daughter in school out here, so that takes up a good deal of it. And then, uh, as I've said, during the times off, I don't know how the hell there's ever time to work because it seems like the days fly by and I'm busy and I don't get half the stuff done and I'm not even uh, showing up for games anywhere. So, so it's good. I'm enjoying it uh, very much. You got to have like the best class of all time. If Gary Thorne was my teacher, I would be like an A plus 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 student for the first time in my entire life. You ever thought of being an agent? You know, I could uh, start all over. <laughs> Maybe just hire you as an agent. And oh, you just oh say, we'll get there. We'll get there. You just, say, <laughs> just say the things you're saying now. We're golden. We're all set. Uh, so we got a lot of hockey to get to, but 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 Scott over here, uh, oh, yeah. he's he's got a question for you that I think is a little bit more pressing and, and maybe of the moment. All right. Time. So so this has been um, obviously hockey. You're here for hockey. We'll get to hockey. But there is a uh, – for a little bit, you did bowling. Yes. Right? And there's one specific clip of, of a man screaming, who do you think you are, I am? And I just want to know if you could give us like a – I've been wanting to ask you this question for seven <laughs> years now, okay? I just want a, a little like in the moment, did you know it was going to be something like that? How are you feeling? Just I just want to know a little bit of background about that moment. No, uh, there was absolutely no way to know he was going to say that. Uh, the thing that you did know was he's, he's, he was, he's very energetic, very outgoing, very entertaining. And I give him great credit for that. Uh, and remember that, that ball that he rolled there was a winner. Yes. It was a strike and it, was, it, it ended the, the match and he, and he won. So there was going to be excitement. Uh, you knew that if he did it was going to, but the fact that he said what he said, um, was just you're gonna be I mean, losing your mind. <laughs> yeah, well, but there there was a back there was a there is a background story to that though. There was a woman sitting in the stands. If you remember when he if you're looking straight ahead, he was bowling straight ahead. Off to the left, there were fans seated in stands. And during uh during that particular match, he had he had had a little conversation some back and forth with a woman who was ribbing him a little bit, who was kind of giving him a tough time during the match, which he loved. I mean, it was no problem. It wasn't nasty. It wasn't Sounds like it. Yeah. But, but she'd give it to him. So when he turned around, that's who he was talking to. He was, he was talking to somebody. <laughs> he was talking to her, you know, the, who are you? I mean, that's, that's, so great. that's what that was all about. That's where it came from. Uh, and it was, uh, I'm, I mean, it's a moment that continues to show up all over the place. Uh, I just, I mean, it astounds me a little bit, but the more I look at it, I realize why, because it does make you smile and make you laugh. That's just, awesome. Thank you so much for answering that question. I've been wanting to ask for years. Send cash. <laughs> now, uh, obviously, with the NHL coming back to ESPN, your name's been a pretty hot topic lately. I've heard you uh, on the Cam and Strick podcast. I saw you getting quoted by Richard Dice from The Athletic. You said you would like to come back and call hockey again. I, th- I think a lot of people probably would have expected that. Um, but obviously, a lot of that's far away. You don't know what's going to happen. What do you miss most about hockey, though? What do you miss most about going to the rink and, and calling games and preparing for games and getting to know the guys in the locker room? Yes. 
<laughs> just one? No, you said them all. Oh, oh, oh. You said them all. You went through the list. That's the laundry list, and that's what, uh, for all sports, for me, uh, it's not just doing the games. I mean, ultimately, that's that's what matters most. But it's the relationship to build up the chance to be around players, uh, have a few yucks, uh, tell some stories, have a beer once in a while. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that makes it worthwhile, that, that's really enjoyable. And I miss I miss all of that, but I certainly miss the games. Uh, I love the games. You know, we're talking about hockey. I love hockey. I, and I will always especially miss the Stanley Cup playoffs. I've maintained through all the sports that I've ever done, uh, there is nothing that equals the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that's the whole run. It's not just the finals. The whole run of the Stanley Cup playoffs, is, as you guys know, as hockey fans, is all about the last man standing. It's an arduous two and a half months. It is a true second season. Uh, there's nothing like that in any other sport. And the intensity of every single game for two and a half months defies logic and defies the fact that humans should be able to do what they do in that two and a half month period. So I really miss, I love that. I loved watching that. Uh, to me, sports, sports is about watching those who can do in the games the things that you and I can't do and that very few people can. You're seeing the best exceptional athletes performing against other exceptional athletes. I mean, that's what, to me, that's what professional sports is. And uh, to see that in hockey during that playoff period is really a treat. All right, we've got more with Gary Thorne coming right up. It wasn't just a great training camp for Larkin. Who brings it in, scores! Look at, look at him getting the puck. Conwell getting the puck. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski updates you the latest sports news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Do you think the evolution of the game, the NHL in the past 20 years, has changed um, the way you, you would broadcast um, a game at all like do you think there's any difference between a game now and a game like 20 years ago do you and I mean that seriously do you think there is um in a way I think there is there's less like less penalties I would say there's less less chippiness in the game now I would think than there would yeah. be back in you know when Prober was throwing hands every single yeah. night yeah, no, you're right. I just wanted to, to get a feel for what you felt that changed in it. There's no question that's changed. The game is, is more wide open now than it's ever been before. The fighting is gone from the game virtually. There's none of that. The chippiness is almost all gone. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad the fighting is gone. I never liked that. Someone has gotten seriously hurt and would continue to get seriously hurt if that went on. I know a lot of hockey fans love that. I know all about the fight video that's out there the best fights ever and all that stuff but you couldn't go on with the game that way you just couldn't and what really changed is the money hey money changes everything in every sport and the money in this game in hockey once it started to rise to the level it's now at the players feel a responsibility towards one another not to do injury now there are some who may violate that once in a while and who've got that streak in them where they can't stop. But for the most part, players, it's a respect for one another, understanding they're making a living doing this. 
making a living once upon a time in hockey used to be that you had to be the fiercest, best fighter on your club on the ice and have that kind of a team. That's the way the game was being was played by some clubs. That's not the way it is anymore. So, yes, it's different. Does it change the way you do the broadcast? I don't think so. You're describing the play of what's going on on the ice. And if what's going on on the ice is speed uh, and skill, then that's what you broadcast. And I think that's what uh, that's where we are now. Well, you bring up fighting. And one thing we obviously have to talk about is March 26, 1997, the Detroit Red Wings, the Colorado Avalanche, the Red Wings need their revenge. You So when this all starts going down, you say this had to happen. And it did. And it was a different game back then. And, and maybe that's not something that would need to happen now, but back then it did what do you remember about going to the rink that night and and i guess what was your favorite part of covering that seven-year war as a whole i mean you had it from start to finish well it was it was fierce i mean it was genuinely fierce these were two teams with players who did not like one another they weren't friends off the ice and they sure as hell weren't friends on the ice and there were some personal animosities towards individual players. I think of Claude Lemieux and uh, how much Detroit just found him despicable. And I like Claude. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that the way he played, how he played, and especially against them, it created a tension that was going to explode. It had to. Uh, my favorite part may have been Os Osgood and Wah <laughs> skating out to center ice, fully, uh, fully dressed during the game and uh, deciding to go at it themselves. They had chatted back and forth, each of them in their own net, as, as that game had started and as it was going on. And then when the all hell broke loose, they were hollering at while they're still in their individual nets. And then just, just both skated out. And it was, I mean, they came right to center ice. I think they literally, if you look at the video, they were on the face-off dot at center. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, going at one another as best you can when you got 90 pounds of equipment on. Uh, I'll never, I'll never forget that. But over that whole thing, it was just, it was just how fierce the competition was. And the fact that you had so many great players on the ice at the same time, I mean, those teams were loaded with talent, both young and veteran. And so, I mean, when they went out there to play, you were really seeing the two best teams in the NHL going at one another. And when you combine that with the fact that they didn't like one another and that there were individual stimulants uh, in each game, I mean, you had a hell of a series. You were just waiting to see what was going to happen next. You, I don't think, I'm sure there are some fans who never sat down for any of those games in both buildings. I mean, it was just, that's the way it was. You knew it was coming, and it was just a matter of what was going to trigger it. One of the fascinating things about that series is the way it ends. And that, that game seven against Colorado in the 2002 Western conference finals, that's the first time I can ever remember watching hockey live. So that that's like a huge moment for me. Have you ever seen uh, anything like that where the buildup was so tense and then in a way it's a powder keg and it explodes, but not in a way that really anybody expects in the face of this uh, I think, Colorado was a defending Stanley cup champion at the time. And, and just all the back and forth, you couldn't give an inch. And then all of a sudden Detroit gets six inches on Patrick Waugh, another inch on David Abisher. And the rivalry is pretty much done as we know it from there. Yeah, no, you can't expect that. And that's what sports is all about. I don't know how many times I've referred to that game in talking about buildups in other games and other sports. Uh, be careful. 
it's it's legitimate. I mean, if ever there was a legitimate buildup to a game, that was the game. Mm -hmm. If ever there was a game that defied every conceivable odd in the way it came down, that was the game. It's one of those moments in sports. You're not going to go back and look at it because it wasn't a three to two double overtime or shootout win. So you're not going to go back and look at the game very often. But if you think about what it was and you think about what happened in that game, it's just phenomenal. I mean, can you imagine in this day of betting how much money would have been lost? (laughs) How much was lost in betting on that game, what the score is going to be in over under and anything else that goes with it? I mean, you couldn't possibly have predicted that. And you're absolutely right. There was a balloon at the start of that game that was so full of air. One more puff and it explodes. By the time we got into the third period of that game, the balloon no longer had air in it. It was <laughs> gone. And even the animosity between the two teams was gone. There was no, there was nothing left to fight for. Yeah. It just lets, you know, we're going to throw the puck around and skate up and down and hope the clock goes running time because it was over. I mean, it was so (laughs) over that the guys, both sides just wanted to get out of there. That's amazing. Um, So, so broadcasting as a whole announcing as a whole, um, you said you're teaching and stuff like that. We are all obviously very, very big fans of you, but just in general, like going back and, and a call can make a play, right? Like a call can, can make a place cement a play into like lore. So is there for you personally, is there with yourself or other people, is, is there like a, a certain call that you go back to from somebody else maybe, or like one of your favorite calls in, in any sport, just like ever? Uh, I never go back and listen to it myself. Uh, and I don't, I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing that. I just don't. I'm, I'm kind of a person of the moment. It's the way I broadcast games. And when games are over, I don't want to talk about them afterwards. You know, a lot of, a lot of times in sporting fans and people in the business, as soon as the game is over, they can't wait to get together and talk about what happened here and what happened there, especially in broadcasting. Why didn't we have that shot? You know, I never wanted any part of that. And again, it's not because there's anything wrong with it. That's just not me. I wanted to see the game. I saw the game. I called the game. It's over. What's next? And so I don't go back and look at clips or anything, but I see them because uh, other people send them to me or other people say, look at this, look at this, especially the bowling one. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, with favorite calls, it would, it would be impossible. And I mean that it would be impossible for me to say there was one call that above all others, made a difference or one game above all others that made a difference. I mean, uh, that whole series, that whole, those years of matchups with Detroit and Colorado, it couldn't have been better for a broadcaster. Everything was out there that you wanted. Great play intensity, all of it. Uh, The Rangers winning the cup 94. I'll never forget the sign being held up at the garden. You know, now I can finally die in peace. I love that. I thought that was a great moment for a fan. And there were great games. Messier's hat trick when he promised that the Rangers would beat the Devils sure. when moving up to Stanley Cup Finals. Gretzky setting the all-time mark. Uh, the Forum being closed in Montreal, and we were there in tuxedos mm. to do the game out of respect for the Forum. I mean, Hull's goal, you know, was it a goal in Buffalo of skate in the crease or not? I mean, there are so many of those calls uh, that that I've been so fortunate to be involved in that I – I can't take one out. I mean, I've always said I started 
you know, I started at the top in this damn business, rightly or I guess gratefully. In the, the second year, I'm doing Major League Baseball. The New York Mets win the World Series. I mean, that was and it was a great World Series. Yeah, it was the Buckner ground ball with Mookie Wilson. It was a great series against Houston that led up to that. It was the, you know, the Mets coming back to win games when it looked like they were out of it. Uh, the sign went up in Shea Stadium at the time. You know, congratulations to Boston World Series champions. And the next thing you know, the Mets have come back and won the damn thing. I mean, so that that's why you do this, I think. I mean, for me, it is. I, I do this in hopes of having those kinds of opportunities as a fan to see the game and as a broadcaster to be able to do it. So that's the long answer to your question, which is, no, I couldn't pick one out, but there were lots of glad I was there for. It's an incredible answer. Thank you. <laughs> one, uh, probably the greatest compliment I can give you is that it's very clear to me that you're you're in the moment at all times. You don't ever plan anything. You don't ever, you know, really think about what you're going to say. You're my uh, agent. I'm telling you saying these things now. <laughs> well, you do such a good job of like creating a, a unique sound for each moment. And it and it sounds in a way like you're powerless to your own reaction. Is there any way to describe how you feel in that moment or just the energy of of kind of just blacking out and being like, holy shit, here's what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think it, powerless in my own reaction is probably true. Um, which is always the way I've wanted to do, uh, do games. Um, I have never, and again, there's nothing wrong with doing it in another way. I have never written a word down before or during a game where I was thinking to myself, this is what I'm going to say if this happens. I just, I can't do that. I don't want to do that because that takes away the spontaneity of the moment. I am a fan of sports. I am a fan of great plays and outstanding players. I want that to come through with a, with a natural, genuine reaction to what's going on in the game. And that the people hear that, that that's what comes through. And I thank you for saying that because clearly for some, at least that's what they've heard. And I hear that over and over again. And that makes me very happy because if there was anything I was striving to do in doing those games in any sport, that's what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be a real good reaction where people knew this is real. It's not a put on. This is what he's feeling and he's sharing it with us. What, uh, what do you remember about the Steve Eisman double overtime goal and really just how the roof exploded off of the building? Gretzky had it, lost it. Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman moving. Blue line chance. Score! Steve What I remember most about that, obviously the celebration and everything that went on afterwards was incredible. It's one of those where you lay out, you, you know, you're sitting back and you're watching and you get to enjoy all of that, which was great. But what I remember most about that is I almost saw it coming. Um, there was something about the way that play developed and where he was coming down board side that he had too much space. You can't give, you know, you can't give guys like Eiserman space. You don't give great shooters space. And he had found a way to find some space. And at that point of the game, obviously, there were a lot of tired legs out there. And he probably was skating as well as anybody at that point of the game so that he had the speed uh, to be able to get ahead of the defenders and to move into that spot between the defender he went by and the forward who was already, who was in front of him up ice. And uh, 
I remember that. And I remember when he, when he got the puck, it was almost like, you know, this is it. This is it. I, I, looking at it, I was like, he's going to score. Now that's an instantaneous thought that happens and it just happened to be right. But that's what I remember about that, that, that play, it developed uh, because of what Steve was doing and finding room to be able to get that shot off. And, uh, and he did. And then all it was the roof came off, came down the fan. I mean, it was just unbelievable. It was one of those great moments, great moments to be a part, to be a part of. Well, then I, I think too, like adding on to that is the fact that Gretzky turned it over and, and it's, it's in the line. Gretzky had it, lost it. Eisenman picked it up. So that's just like the extra bit of lore from, you know, a Red Wings perspective to, uh, yeah. to kind of go into that whole moment. Now they get the Darren McCarty goal, 1997 game four to go up two nothing. Darren McCarty comes back to Neiman in front of him. McCarty draws. McCarty in. McCarty! Was that one of the most unexpected electrifying moments of your career? You had to be like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Uh, you would not, I guess you wouldn't have expected Darren to make that play. <laughs> I mean, that, and, and that's not a negative. I mean, making that kind of a move was not his style of play. He said he it to us. Yeah. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. 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 <laughs> he was going to grab the rebounded front and jam and hold with nine guys on his back. I mean, that's their party. Uh, but instead, he made these magnificent moves to get himself in a position to score this unbelievable goal. And I've always thought that uh, what maybe you can tell me when he, when you talk to him about it, was he, he amazed at it? Because yeah, I, it almost was the looked like time. he. Yeah. He looked, he looked like he's kind of stopped yeah. and was like, Oh my God, I scored that goal. Yeah. He said that was the first time that's actually ever worked for him. Not in a practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause he looked that way. I mean, it was like he, he kept looking to make sure the puck was really in the net as though I can't do that. I couldn't, how could how'd I do that? Yeah. <laughs> so that was a, yeah, that was a surprising part of it. But it just goes to show the level of talent. I mean, we, you know, we guys get kind of put in molds as to what kind of players they are on the ice. And sometimes we forget that every damn one of them has got some outstanding abilities to do lots of things that they wouldn't be there. And the opportunities may not come to a lot of them because it's not where they're positioned in the game or the line they're on or when they actually get out on the ice. But when given the opportunity, you know, he came through with this tremendous once in a lifetime goal, really, the way the way it came about. And it was it was just great. And Darren's we've talked about it afterwards a number of times. And I he sent me a huge photo of the goal after it was scored. And I've, I think I've signed two of those with the actual call of the play-by-play -play oh, that's awesome awesome that's one heck of a memento yeah darren, darren wanted that he sent that to me and uh, i was more than happy to do that yeah all right also got to jump in and talk to you guys today about built bar we've been telling you about built bar it's the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now and built bar is the amazing low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber amazing tasting 
protein bar with 100% chocolate on all of its bars. And now it is time to do the most difficult thing in the history of the world. And that is find out which Built Bar is the best. Folks, you know it, you love it. It's Built Bar Madness. Today's matchups. And today we punch our final two tickets to the Elite Eight. Now listen, guys, we've got coconut versus white chocolate birthday cake. And we've also got coconut brownie chunk versus lemon almond cheesecake. Now listen, Ethan, I've been on this podcast since day one, riding hard, ringing the bell for lemon almond cheesecake. I said, don't knock it. Don't sleep on it. And certainly the fans have not done that so far. Now, listen, they got a big matchup coming up against coconut brownie chunk. I know the traditionalists are going to say you got to go with the coconut brownie chunk, but here's what I would tell you. You already got coconut puff in the enticing eight. You already got coconut almond in the enticing eight. You already got a uh, coconut. And the other bracket, possibly with another chance to go to the enticing eight, we can't have four coconuts in the enticing eight. So go to builtbar.com slash brackets right now. And please do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. So I don't end up crying myself to sleep tonight and place a vote for that lemon almond cheesecake. Remember, use the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is locked 15 to get 15% off of your next order. No matter if it's your first order, second order, third order, or your and it won't be a last order. I know that for sure. Uh, at builtbar.com and check back today to see who won today's matchups and who will become the best tasting protein bar. If it's not lemon almond cheesecake, it's a, the whole contest is a sham. I'm telling you guys right now. Also got to talk to you guys today about bet online. It's the fastest and it's the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Now listen, folks, football might be over, but March madness is in full swing. And that's along with the NBA and the NHL bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. If your brackets already busted, the best thing that you can do for yourself is head on over to BetOnline.ag and start making this tournament interesting. Again, you had Ohio state going to the final four sucks for you. Go to BetOnline.ag. They got you covered for all the news, all the scores and all the odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it is free to sign up. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you enter our promo code locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus with that first deposit. Once again, that promo code is locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Samuelson holds it there and then twirls. Walker watching him as it came back to Lebda. And a shot. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cohen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long dynasty and DFS leagues. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to Gary Thorne. So kind of along those same lines, who are like the, whether they're players, coaches, GMs, people around the game, like who are the people you enjoy talking about the game like the most over the years, I guess? Well, the trouble with that is if I give you three names, that means I made 300 enemies. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, and honestly, uh, I just had the best of luck, uh, uh, with the people that I've had an opportunity to deal with. I mean, I, the, the list is a laundry list and I would be hard pressed if the question was put the other way about who didn't you like being around? Who didn't you ever want to talk to? I can honestly say off the top of my head, there is nobody that comes to mind that would answer that question. So that leaves everybody on the other <laughs> sure. side of people who I enjoy being around. And, and I really did. I mean, they, 
I think sometimes what we forget in sports because we we put them in the in the game in the game context, you know, that, that they're people. And you get to see that, you know, and like we're talking about Darren, have a chance to talk to him. You realize that there's a human being uh, inside that uniform playing and that he has feelings and emotions and memories just like everybody else does. And that's the kind of stuff that when you, when I along the way talk to people, talk to guys, I try and remember that that's who they are and what they are and to talk to them on a very human level. And how did you feel? What was that like? Did you realize it was coming? What happened afterwards? Uh, you, you know, what kind of congratulations did you did, did you get? And how'd you deal with it? Uh, I find that to be the most intriguing next to their play. That's the most intriguing part of the lives for these guys and having the chance to talk to them and be around them. Um, that's a treat. So I didn't answer your question. Good job not answering it. No, you did a great job. I, 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 I just, I, I texted Ethan, Hey, you got the next one. I'm waiting for him to read it. So that, that was the awkward pause there. <laughs> was it? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the video game question. Oh, oh yeah. Wonderful. The one we were all also I very lost. I was lost in the answer. <laughs> waiting for this. Yeah. It's just another, um, I guess just another inch. I mean, like, how, I, what, what is, how, what is the process of doing a video game? I've always been fascinated by that. Do they just send you a whole script of, of things you got to say and yeah, hey, we here's the inflection so tone? No, <laughs> no, oh, really? No, there is no script. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, in the hockey game, and I've done both hockey and baseball. Right, baseball, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Bill and I did the hockey games together. It was at EA Sports. Oh, yeah. And uh, we've, we'd go up to Vancouver for a week to 10 days uh, and work off their, in their campus. They have a huge campus there at EA Sports and go into a studio um, with our producer who was a hell of a guy, great guy. And for six hours a day, we'd talk. And uh, rarely, I mean, there were a couple of times there was some video shown, but it had nothing to do with what we were calling. It was only an example of a particular play, maybe. Most, and there were no scripts. Um, we had to do every name of every hockey player in the US and Europe. We had to go through every team. And, and as we went along, it ended up including some of the minor league teams and some of the European teams. Uh, you had to, in my case, I had to call goals at three levels. One was the 10 nothing goal, the other one's the 5-3 goal, and the other one's the winner in overtime. And you gotta, you got to do each of those at a different voice level. We save those to the end of the day, uh, because if I'd done that at the beginning of the day, I wouldn't have had a voice to do anything else. Uh, and then we would call, you know, literally everything gets stitched together, as you guys probably know, for games. So you'd go, goes to, pass to, shot to, Shot high, shot low. Oh, that right sucks. I mean, that's what you do for <laughs> six hours. Yeah, it was real. Oh, that's brutal. For six hours, you would do that. And then, you'd, you know, a couple of months later, this game would come out and you'd go, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> how, did they ever, how did they ever put this stuff together and come out with this unbelievable <laughs> hockey game? Uh, but maybe, But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because I, I was with Bill. I love working with Bill. And I mean, the yucks we had, I mean, when we screw up, this is like any other recording thing you're doing. When you're doing it six hours a day for six to 10 days, I mean, you're going to have a lot of mess ups. And uh, I don't want to hear some of the words we said 
laughing our heads <laughs> off in the studio when we'd screw up something because it would get really funny and you needed to have that in order to have the break. But that's, that's what you do. That's what you do in doing the video game. Yeah. So like once you have that baseline commentary for like the first year, like, does it get easier, you know, once, or I guess you still have to add new players and stuff, but is it still every single year you went, it had to be that like six to 10 days every single time. Yes. Wow. Cause they built on every game. Yeah, There were a lot of new names, and they didn't want every game to sound the same. They wanted it to be a, a different version, different inflections. Even if you were doing the same thing, it would come out different. You'd have different inflections on the calls. Um, and they would add three, four, five, six things that weren't in the past game that they've added to this game uh, about where shots were taken from or how, how saves were made or how pucks were cleared or there'd be something different that you'd have to go through. Um, and so, I mean, that was the only script. You were told what was happening. Now go ahead and explain it and do it in go a ahead, Mr. Announcer, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the funny thing was it would be, we had to do, five or six of those same calls differently yeah. so that they could stitch those into games so that every time the puck was cleared, it didn't sound the same. Every time a wraparound occurred, it didn't sound the same. So you, you, and you had to, there were no, you had to come up with it. I mean, you just came up with it sitting there, you know, and that's about five hours in and during the day, you just fall out of the chair on one of those and go, I got nothing. I got nothing left. And then we'd, Go out and have a couple of drinks and try and <laughs> regain our stability. Yeah, but I loved it. I loved it. It was, it was, despite the fact, I've always said it's probably the hardest work I've ever done. It was a hell of a lot harder than calling a game. Uh, I still enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And we had, a, we had a good time. We had a good time doing it in the studio. Well, Gary, uh, I, I really appreciate your time today. I got two more questions, if that's all right with you, and, uh, and we'll get yep. you out of here. Now, the first yep. one, it's, it's pretty serious. Your signature home run call. Goodbye, home run. Now, I know you went to Georgetown Law. I know you practice law. You said in an interview, I listened to you with you, that you wanted to be an FBI agent. So I'm just wondering, have you ever thought of, like, what your catchphrase would be, like, when you busted the bad guys? Because I think I would for sure take a felony charge to get arrested by Gary Thorne. Bang, you're gone. There we go. That was, that was unbelievable. I, that's my ringtone. I'm literally gonna make that my ringtone. That was incredible. I my Easily best case scenario. You know, Easily best nobody case. ever asked me that question. <laughs> my my uh my guess to for what it was gonna be was freeze right there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, um, all right and then my last one and this is also a pretty serious one now you said like i'm i'm kind of got the inside track to being your agent so yes you do we Absolutely. can talk about that uh but our generation has never heard you call a game live at least i haven't i've only known you through youtube i've obviously become a big fan of your work over the years games too. so we yeah, and the video games and we have taken to the mobile or mobilized in the, the internet streets with a hashtag ESPN call Gary Thorne. Now our services are free. I will tell you that right now. <laughs> our services are free, but after you get hired and people ask you like, Oh, why did you want to come back to ESPN? You know, like, Oh, what was the road to coming back to ESPN? You just have to tell them that the boys at lockdown Red Wings started the whole movement. 
<laughs> well, apparently you did. <laughs> Nobody else has said that to me or done it, so thank you very much. <laughs> well, there we go. Beautiful. When, when Gary Thorne gets hired at ESPN, it will be because of us. Yeah, uh, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Gary, this is uh, this has been so much fun. You got anything going on you'd like to plug? Uh, no, I got nothing going on. Perfect. I got to mow the I got to mow the lawn, do a little <laughs> clipping. <laughs> tires down on the car. I got to go pump that thing up. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. Well, that and then send me <laughs> send me over the contract, and you know we'll, we'll go over that. Yeah. So, so. Yeah, all right, Gary. Probably a fifteen percent guy. I'm just guessing. <laughs> <laughs> just a little off the top. Just got to wet the beak a little, a little bit, bit, you know. You know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, we'd love to have you on again. Thanks so much for coming on, man. And uh, hope to see you in the broadcast booth soon. See how it goes. Thanks very much, guys. Have a good one. Thank, Thank you. you. Locked on Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.